Well, hey, everyone, I'm so excited that you've joined us. And you just heard the parable that I'm going to be focusing on. And here's the thing you need to know about this parable. It's all about how you respond to an invitation. And even more importantly, do you honor a really good invitation? Because think about it. Think about those powerful moments you've had in your life. Because a powerful invitation can really start to change the whole relationship you have. I'll give you an example in my life. I am a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan like big Kansas City Chiefs fan. And so one of the most powerful invites that happened in my life was I was a teenager and I had a friend came up to me. He's like, hey, my family and I are going to the Chiefs game. We'd love for you to come. I hear you. I've never been to one. I was blown away. I was like, are, are you serious? Like, had to take a moment. I was like, this isn't a joke. I'm not getting pranked, right? Like, this is really happening. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're doing this. And so go to the game and I don't know if you've ever had that invitation that just keeps getting better because I, I get there and I'm like, okay, man, I'm already, I'm like psyched up. Like, this is going to be awesome. And then they're like, hey, yeah, we are going to one of the box suites. And I'm like, come again? Like, we get to go to the box suite. And so just imagine this. I'm a teenager getting to experience a professional football game with my favorite team. And on top of that, box suite means you got great seats and you've got free food right now. And I'm like, this is living, like this is incredible. And so as a teenager, didn't eat healthy at all. I think I ate all the chicken tenders that were available and the fries, and I'm just enjoying life and going, this is awesome, like this is incredible. The only down part was the Chiefs lost. Now that was not great. And every time I go to a Chiefs game, they lose. So hence I, I didn't go last year and look what happened. Just saying, <laughs> all right? But let's just, that invitation, I remember his name was George changed our relationship, I started looking at him differently because I felt like I didn't deserve that. And you included me. You asked me. It's powerful how invites can do that. Changes our whole perspective on a relationship. And so when you think about this parable, recognize Jesus is referencing one of the greatest invites we'll ever get. And that is an invitation from God. An invitation to be in relationship with him. And so I want to just walk through. It's like, what does, what does that invitation mean? What does it look like? And even dive into this parable. What is Jesus getting at in regards to this invitation? So let's start. This invitation, what is it? How does it affect our life? What is God inviting us to? So you got to look at this first scripture. It's from John 3:16 and 17. Many of you have heard this scripture. But let it sink in as an invitation. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Now hear me, I love the invitation I got to the Kansas City Chiefs game, but when you're talking about, if I choose to believe in God, we're talking about eternal life here. We're talking about things that are so much bigger than just going to a football game. This invitation could change the whole trajectory of our life. It's even talking about what it would look like after death. This is an invite that's powerful. But then Jesus keeps expanding on it too. It's not just, hey, you get to go to heaven. It's great. It's awesome. It's even deeper than that. Look at what he told the disciples in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I am going. 
I remember growing up and thinking heaven was just gonna be, we're gonna be sitting on clouds and just singing some songs. And I was a little bit scared actually of that being the case. I'd be like, I feel like I'm gonna get bored. I'm gonna be honest. But Jesus starts to reveal here, there's this idea of we'll have rooms and a house and we're living together. There's this now an invitation to maybe even more of a relationship than we realize. It's not just this, hey, we get to this invite, we get out of hell, it's awesome. No, God's going, it's deeper than that. It's an invitation to a relationship that could be powerful. And then the last part of this comes from Revelations, and this just points to not only is it a house, but we're also going to be having meals together. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he added, these are true words that come from God. So I think the incredible part as you think through these scriptures, I want you to think about what was one of the most powerful invites you've ever received? What was it that made it powerful? Was it being able to be in that person's house? Was it being able to sit and have dinner with them? What was it that made it powerful? Why did that invitation matter so much to you? And even, man, if you're watching this, think about putting this even in the comments and let's have a whole conversation of why invitations matter and why they're important to us. But I also want to just dive into this because I know we're all at different spots in this. Some of us believe this next statement I'm about to say because it's going to be God's invitation is the best invitation we'll ever get. But I also know when I say that, not all of us believe that. Some of us do. But I think even some of us, and this is where this parable gets into it, we know this, but then the question becomes, do we honor the invitation? How do we respond to that invitation? Because that is actually what this whole parable is about. And so to set it up, because I want to read through it, and I want you just to understand the full weight of what Jesus is teaching, because he's at a home of a Pharisee. Now, remind you, they were not like buddy-buddy. <laughs> the Pharisees and Jesus butted head a, a lot. But it's interesting to me that they would have dinner together a lot. And they would try to walk through ideas. In the Jewish culture, that was common. You would have meals, and that would represent there was a relationship there. It may not be a perfect relationship, but it was like, we want to have relationships with you. And so just picture this. Jesus is walking to this home. Food is ready. Walks in, and the Pharisees are starting to debate already. Because this is how Jewish culture worked. You would have the person who's at the house, sitting at the main part of the table, and then everybody else is supposed to kind of sit in their seats. And the people who were closest to the guests, who were the most honored, would sit closest to the person who was putting on the feast. So the Pharisees are kind of having this discussion of like, well, I feel like I should sit there. Well, I feel like I should sit there. Just picture Jesus walking into this and going, really, we're having this conversation. And so he starts teaching them like, hey, how about we start thinking about having a little humility in this? And so then some guy in the room starts to try to like break the tension probably or it's probably even just like, oh, that's some good teaching. Let me say this. So that's how we begin in Luke chapter 14, verse 15. Here's what it says. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Because he's like, oh, finally, someone called him out on their stuff. Like, this is ridiculous. But then Jesus takes a moment and goes, let's talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about actually eating at God's table. So then he walks into a parable. And he said, Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. 
When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Just some things I want you to be aware of, especially just with the culture at this time. When a banquet was put on like this, it would have been, you would have been receiving a invite six months, a year in advance. It would have been so far in advance because it wasn't like they had phones. They didn't have email. It wasn't a quick way to communicate. So they would send messengers out and be like, hey, come, we would love, we're going to have this massive feast, we'd love. And most of the time, whenever they would do some kind of banquet like this, this wasn't just like a, hey, couple hours, then go home. It was an all-day deal. Even most of the time, a couple days. They would just sit and enjoy each other's company. That was the goal of this banquet. It communicated, hey, we love each other, we're going to spend time together. And so that meant you would have to plan of going, hey, because there would be travel involved. They didn't have cars. They didn't have the technology that we have. When we read this, we're like, oh, okay, that's cool. There was so much more weight to this invite. You were planning on, you're like, okay, we're going, we're doing this. This is what's going to happen. And so it was also one of those things, if you got that invite, you wanted to go. You didn't want to miss out on this because a lot of times the whole community was involved in this. So it was just a massive gathering, being able to connect and be with people. So then Jesus keeps going in this and you start to begin to see he's starting to create some tension. So here's what it says, but they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen. and I don't want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. So Jesus starts to explain, here's all the excuses these people began to make which is powerful if you think about, this was an invitation that everybody wanted to go to, but then these people start to make excuses. Even the guy sitting there would have been like, oh, those people are jerks. Now for us, we live in a culture right now, the age of bailing, we are a generation of, it's like we flake out on a lot of things. So we read this and we kind of go, all right, typical. <laughs> Made an appointment, they missed, you know? It's like, you even hear some of the weird excuses. But for them, they would have said, like, wait a minute. I've just bought a field and must inspect it. Who buys a field and doesn't inspect it first? I mean, come on. I mean, some of us, this would be on the same page of, like, buying a house without ever looking at it. We'd all be like, so what's your plan? Like, what are you doing? And then the other one, please, I, you know, I have some new oxen that I need to try. The oxen aren't going anywhere. It's like he got a new toy. He's like, hey, I'm sorry. I really like it, but not, I like this more. It really kind of showed the relationship component to this, what he really thought of the invitation. Now, this last one, we may go, dude, the guy got married. Come on. I mean, are we really going to hold him? Here's what I wonder happened. He got married. Wife heard about the invitation. He's like, I don't want to go. For those of you who are married, you know what's going on. Like, oh, boy. Do I go by myself? Do I? And so he just makes the excuse. And they look at it, you think about what they are missing out on. But I want to sit in this a little bit more because think about just all invitations always come with a cost. They do. There's the cost of people putting it on. The cost to put it all together, the money. I mean, think about the, even that banquet he's putting on, the greatest food. He's getting all of that prepared and ready for them. But then on our side, if you're being invited to something, it also will cost you. It will cost you time. It will cost you resources. And so when Jesus is talking about this, realize he's talking to the Pharisees. These were the people that God first invited a relationship with. 
And he's going, you've got to understand this invitation is so important. Do you understand the cost? Do you get it? You are the first ones that are being invited into a relationship with me. And so Jesus later on, just in this whole conversation, explains, here's the cost that will come from you. Because we already know the cost Jesus gave us. He died on the cross and rose from the grave so that we could conquer our sin and conquer death. That's what he's offering to us. That's the invitation. Through that relationship, that's what we get with him. And there's so much more with that. But here's what he's asking of us. So look at this in Luke 14. If you want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Now, this gets pretty heavy because even that word hate, we're like, whoa, that doesn't sound like Jesus. What's going on here? <laughs> but he's making a point. He's making the contrast here. He's like, you've got to see how different this is. You can't accept someone's invitation because this would be so frustrating. If you invited somebody to something and then they were kind of like, hey, I'll be there, but I'm also going to go to this. I'm going to spend like five minutes here, but then I'm going to go spend a lot of time there. You'd be a little frustrated and you'd also know kind of where the relationship stood. And Jesus is going, he's like, you've got to be clear. My invitation is all in. It's not this, hey, I, you know what, I'm good with this, but can I also have these things? Because he even makes a point, he goes to the ultimate thing. Even your relationships with people cannot be above your relationship with God. Because he's looking at it, he's like, you're going to be invited to all of these relationships. A lot of us are. Sometimes it's relationships. Yes, we all have mothers and fathers. We all have these invites into our lives. But he's like, you've got to be careful about putting any of these above the relationship with me. And it's not because he's some jealous God and needs to be at the top. It's because he knows if I'm at the top, everything else will be healthier. Your relationships with other people will be healthier. You've just got to trust me. But too easily, we'll always make excuses. And I even heard this, and I thought it was a great way. The greatest threat to the best often comes from the second best. If you don't think your family, your spouse, is trying to compete for your relationship with God, they're not bad people, hear me. The material things, they're not bad, but you've got the, you have the responsibility in your life to take care of that. You've got to go, I've got to put God first. And not just God first, God's got to be everything. So he could teach me how to handle these other relationships. Because I think at the core of us, we've got to ask, what is our identity really wrapped in? I think it's wrapped in us being the child of God, because that's the invitation, the ultimate invitation to accept. But I understand it's hard in this world to keep that being the focus. Because I look at it this way, our excuses to God's invitation will always be second best. And we could sit here and debate it. But, 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 but I was really doing it. But we know they will be second best. I believe that with all my heart because I've heard it so many times. People went after something that, it, that is earthly and they got it. They received the most out of it. It was an awesome experience, a great invitation. You could do all that but it still left them empty. I believe this is the one invitation that will not leave you empty. This is the one invitation that will fill you more than you could ever realize. And so the question becomes, how do we accept this invitation? How do we honor God in accepting his invitation? Here's the first thing, you gotta accept God's invitation. You can't just look at it and go, okay, whatever, hopefully that works out for me. No, you've got to accept it. You've got to own it. 
And if you want to know why here, or how to do that, here's Romans 10, 9. It says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. God doesn't make it complicated. He just says, you got to believe that my son, Jesus, died for you and rose for you so that we could have a relationship. You could have a seat at my table. You can be in my house because he conquered sin and he conquered death for you. Those are two things that if you want to be with me, I need that because he's holy. We're not, but Jesus makes it holy. So accepting that invitation is going, we've got to own that piece of it. But here's the second, I think it's the actual harder part of it, staying in awe of that invitation. Because I know for me, we're always, especially now in our culture, we live in a place that we want something that's better. We want something that's more. We want something that's bigger. And so maybe you accepted God a long time ago. I accepted God when I was 12. Hear me, that invitation can sometimes get lost or forgotten about. Or you just kind of like, oh yeah, it happened. But we remember, we have to honor that invitation. Because it's coming from somebody who is impacting our life in a crazy way. Remember recently, just to see this play out in my life, just the season we've been going through, dealing with COVID, dealing with the pandemic, dealing with uh, church not happening, I was just frustrated. I would be honest, my relationship with God was more out of frustration than awe at the time. Just the conversations weren't great. And I think there's seasons we go through that. And I was just like, God, why does this keep happening? Why does this keep, ah, da, da, da. And I could just tell myself becoming kind of cynical. And I was like, okay, what's gonna happen next? And then you would hear it, like, we now have alligators eating, like, on drugs. And then you hear the, uh, you didn't hear about that? Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I'm serious. Like, they were meth alligators because people were flushing them down. The sorry. Anywho. And I'm just like, what's next? What is next? And everyone's like, this is the end of the world. And so I'm just like, this is so crazy. So then we take a vacation. We go to uh, KOA Palmer Gulch. Things start to happen. My phone doesn't work there. On top of that, Tina and I are kind of city kids. Tina's my wife. She grew up in Chicago. I grew up in Kansas City. And we could just feel it's like, okay, a little nervous about just doing this camping thing. Uh, we're not great at it. See how this goes. Um, so there's already some anxiety in this. You guys are all probably laughing at me. You're like, seriously, it's not that hard. Well, it was a little nerve wracking. But we get there and just blown away by how, how easy it is to be so rushed in life and hurried in life, and when things get taken away, how quickly it is to see just the value of slowing down and being reminded of this, because it happened in a moment to where uh, Tina and the kids decided to take a nap. And we, we'd been having fun, just enjoying it. It was just kind of rejuvenating and just hope-filled. But then the moment happened to where I was sitting and just kind of reading a book and watching a storm come in, and it was like God just paused in my life and just said, I want you to hear this. I've got you. I know it's been tough. I know it's not been an easy season, but I've got you and keep going on this journey. The presence of that, the power of that, you may go, oh, that sounds so weird, but I'm telling you, it was so moving for me because it reminded me of those moments when I was 12. It was reminding me of all those moments where God has stepped in and had his presence around me and just saying, you're not alone. I've got you. And this will not just be here on earth. This is for eternity. And staying in awe is sometimes work that we have to do. But man, it teaches us how to honor 
God with that invitation, where I stepped back and went, God, you're right. You deserve my praise right now. You deserve everything because there is still so much good in my life because of you. There's still so much hope I can walk with because of you. And it was just that re- refilling of awe and wonder. And I heard this quote, and I thought it was so helpful during this. And it said this, you can't wonder and discover when you're in a hurry. And I caught myself really getting mad at God, being cynical about God, because I was rushing to everything, hurrying to everything. And part of the reason is because I wanted to solve everything. I was hurting uh, a little bit, and I was scared. It's fearful. And it took my focus on how valuable and how important the invitation is and took it on, let me give you all my excuses of why this relationship's not great. I'd rather go do something else right now than sit up talk with you, God. And I think those are just things that happen in life. But I think it's really learning to lean in and staying in awe. But there is one last piece that I've seen that has helped us and helped myself be reminded, and that is this last part, you gotta invite others to God's invitation. I kind of see this progression to where you go, you accept it, you learn to stay in awe of it, but it's not perfect, it's always something you're working on, but then what also helps with that awe is inviting others. Because hear the rest of this parable. I think it's so important we hear the ending piece. So look at this. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full for none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So I go back to, Jesus is speaking to Jewish people. They were the first ones to be invited. Hear me. But God's going, listen, if you're not going to honor this invitation, it's going out to everybody. I'm going to move on. I am going to invite everybody to this. And I think it was that moment where Jesus was trying to teach them, honor the invitation. Take it seriously. Don't take it for granted. And invite others to be a part of it. Almost setting up what the church would begin doing where Peter and and the disciples would start going after not just the Jewish people, but the Gentiles. And the reason we're able to have church now is because this parable started to become truth. We started to see it play out. And it's an incredible picture of what God is doing. To where he's saying, I will keep inviting you. But if you're going to respond in a way that just you don't care, or you don't know, or you're not willing to honor it, well, then what does that say about our relationship? And so I think the question to ask yourself is if you believe in Jesus, in this parable, are you the servant who's going out and inviting everybody and getting everybody to come to this banquet? Or are you the guest making excuses of why you can't show up, why you can't be there with God? That was a challenging question for me. To where I went, maybe I should stop rushing. Maybe I should start hurrying. Maybe I should stop doing these things that keep me from actually making time for God. But I'd like us right now just to sit in some time to pray. Because I think for some of us, maybe we need to accept the invitation for the first time. And for some of us, maybe we just need to pray, God, I need to be in awe again. I'm sorry that I let that get out of hand. I'm sorry I got distracted. I'm sorry for my excuses. And maybe for some of us, 
God's putting somebody on your heart to invite, that they need to hear about this great banquet. They need to hear about this God who loves them and cares about them. So wherever you're at, here's what I want you to do. I simply want you just to close your eyes, bow your heads, and simply wrestle with, where are you in this? Where are you in this parable? Are you one that is, doesn't even know that they're invited and you just need to accept it? Are you the guest making excuses or are you the servant who has owned this invitation by going and inviting everybody else? Let's pray. Dear God, I pray for those, if they are wanting to accept this invitation, I simply ask that they would pray this prayer. God, forgive me. I do believe what Jesus did on the cross by dying for me and raising from the grave gives me life. And I accept the invitation right now. And so if you prayed that, I'm so happy for you. And I want you to know God is with you and walking with you. But God, for the rest of us, if we've made that decision, may we work to stay in awe. May we work to invite. Because God, we want to honor you. We want to honor the invitation you've given us. We want to honor everything that you're giving us. So God, we love you. And may we walk this out in an incredible way. We pray this in your name. Amen.